Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Abby. And I'm Amy, and we're pastors at Bethlehem Lutheran Church. This podcast is about the middle space in between Sundays. It's the place where we take our values, our faith, and our commitments into our everyday lives. Hey, Abby. Hey, Amy. How are you doing today? I'm okay. How are you? I am steeped in preparations for the birth of Christ, otherwise known as that, Advent in the life of the church. I was going to say, it sounds ominous there. <laughs> Last time when you and I talked, we were talking about kind of expectations. You had talked about letting go of expectations at Thanksgiving, but we also ended up talking about the ways that there's a lot of expectations that people carry at this time of year. And I thought it would be fun to talk about that a little bit. Is there a particular expectation that you, I'll ask the question, appreciate at this time of year? Oh, I will say I appreciated expectations a lot more when I had them and someone else fulfilled them. I, I can imagine that is true. <laughs> I... As a kid, I was a quite a traditionalist around this is how we've always done it. This is what we did last year. And just recently, my kids were remembering last year, we went to daddy's work party and then we did this and then we did that. And I want to do exactly the same thing because my husband's company always does a holiday party and it is highly anticipated by my children. So that one's an easy expectation because I just have to bring them there. But then apparently whatever we did last year has stuck in their brain and that is now what we do. And I'm the one who's supposed to make it all happen. Cutting down the tree and, you know, how the decorations come out. And yeah, be careful what traditions you inadvertently start is the moral yeah. of that story. But also, again, just expectations are way easier for me to have than they are to be the one to fulfill. Because when it becomes my responsibility to fulfill, a lot more goes into that. And I think that's part of what it is to be an adult, is to think pretty intentionally about what responsibilities we choose to take on and what we don't. And the holiday season is fraught with a lot of opportunities to be intentional or to find ourselves sometimes in really awkward positions where we've always done it this way, but maybe something has changed in our mind or in our heart or in our perspective and it doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't have children, so I don't have the same kind of responsibility for other people's expectations that you've described but one of the gifts of that is that my my partner and I, each year at some point, we inevitably end up having a conversation about what is Christmas going to look like this year? Or what do we what do we want our Advent season? What is that going to look like? Are we going to, and I'm just grateful for that because I'm aware that as you've described, like when you've got other people that are looking to you, you don't always get to ask that question. And so by asking that question of ourselves, some years it's helpful because it really uh, invites us to think about 
our feelings around is the tree essential or is there something else that's essential or um, what are the pieces that really are meaningful to us and that and be realistic about sometimes that changes from year to year Um, yeah my husband and I had a conversation actually a couple weeks ago in response to something that I had seen come out from the churches in the Holy Land and as a result of talking about that together, we decided we were going to do a much simpler Christmas this year, just in our own home, uh, because we want to be able to give and to organizations that are caring for people who are impacted by war. And that felt like a better way for us to celebrate Christmas this year than following up on things that have become traditions in our home in recent years. Yeah. I love that. And I would just like to say how very adult of you. (laughs) Nicely done. (laughs) Thank you. And I think that's the goal, right? Like we all want to be able to have our choices reflect our values and our faith. And that's what I hear in that conversation, that there's a real, a real question of what do we want this season to look like because of the one whom we worship? Yeah. And, and, and I think I'll, I just want to say I'm super aware that's way easier for my husband and I to have that conversation than it is for a lot of other people to have that conversation. As I said, because we don't have children, we don't have the same set of expectations looking at us and people looking at us to do the things on their behalf. Yeah, I but, just want to acknowledge I mean, that. I can appreciate that you might have a smaller circle of people doing that. But you're still part of an extended family. You are still part of friendships. You're still part of a culture that invites you to participate in all sorts of ways. And and I think what might make it a little easier is two people who've chosen to share their life together who are already on the same page with faith and values, the conversation is likely to go more easily. Many of us find ourselves, especially at the holidays, around tables with people who may not share the same faith or values. That is true of many families these days, where if aunt so-and-so shows up, when do I push back and when do I decide to keep my mouth shut? Or if uncle so-and-so decides to bring... I just, there's plenty of, I feel like everyone can fill in their own blanks, right? Yeah. There are just tons of, whether it's around politics, whether it's around food preferences, whether whatever it may be around, the more people who gather, the more opinions, values, and faith perspectives that are likely to show up. And how do we negotiate those? And how do we handle those expectations? And I think that especially around families at the holidays, gets really tricky. What happens if it's the oldest grandchild who is always traditionally asked to say grace and that oldest grandchild is in a period of questioning about their faith and they're not so sure they're ready to offer a prayer to God in front of the entire family. Those sorts of situations become such an opportunity but are part of the stress of the holiday season for many. For sure. For sure. That's a great example. What do you do when you're 
sitting at the table and suddenly everyone looks at you and says, all right, now we'll receive, now it's time for you to offer, offer grace at the table. And it could be anyone, not a child, an adult, a pastor, <laughs> just anyone. Yes. And like, how do you respond in that moment? Yeah. How do you respond in that moment? When I asked to say grace? Yeah. So my first thought is I look around the table and see who's there to determine whether I am offering a Christian grace, whether I am offering a monotheistic grace (laughs) that is inclusive of our Jewish or Muslim brothers and sisters, or whether I am offering a general word of gratitude out into the universe. And it may be that our listeners are surprised that I am more than willing to offer any of those options. But that comes very much out of a value that I hold, which is God so loved the world. God so loved the whole wide world. That does not include or does not exclude the people whose beliefs don't quite line up or who can't check all the same boxes that I do about faith. And so I want to prioritize a sense of hospitality and inclusivity in that moment by making the words of grace and gratitude as all-encompassing as possible. So that's how I respond. But I also am not in a family system where I get any pushback for that, right? I'm not in relationships that are particularly uh, judgmental of that. So I have a lot of freedom that, that comes at a pretty low cost to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware that's not true for everybody. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, I wonder if it's helpful just to talk for a minute about how do we offer a prayer to a monotheistic God? Like how does that sound different than a prayer to a Christian God? And my understanding is that it's, they're all the same God. I don't mean that, but how people have different ways of formulating their understanding of who God is. And so the prayers that we offer or the ways that even we just talk about God can be faithfully adapted depending on the people that are around us. I think, I think it's just, I recently had the experience of taking a group of kids from our church to one of the local temples for a confirmation class. It was a great experience. And I was, I took a moment, I said a prayer of thanksgiving at the end of our time, giving thanks to the rabbi who hosted us and all of the things. But I was sure in that prayer to make sure that I was praying to God. I didn't include a reference to Jesus in that prayer. I know that the rabbi knows that I, in, in, I understand Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, but Jesus isn't his Lord and Savior. And so by praying to God, by referencing God, it's a way to include him in my prayer, in our prayer. That's just one really simple example. And it doesn't, it in no way impacts my prayer to pray in a way that's inclusive to the people around us. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have the privilege of being hospitable and welcoming, even through my practice of faith, when I find myself in a group that represents a 
more diversity of faith perspectives. Yeah. I think that's also useful to think about. We talked on our last episode that we are more aware of people who maybe have more questions about their faith than answers for whom it may feel inauthentic to be the one praying when you're not sure what you believe. And I I think that is, that can be a really tricky place to be, but there's always a way to speak gratitude and grace and to leave room for the unknown which may simply be that which is beyond our knowing. And yeah. And when it's beyond our knowing, we don't have to be precise in our naming of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also so think, may- I, I was just going to say, I also think that for me, and I think for you as well, this is just really reflective of who we know Jesus to be. And for me, this way of being in the world is deeply faithful to the witness of Jesus that I see revealed in scripture. I think it's worth saying that because I think I worry sometimes that, that people here in the way I talk about this, like this openness that, that is just forgetful of Jesus. And I For me, this way of being is wholly grounded in my understanding of following Jesus. And I think that is so important both to say, but also to acknowledge. Yes, that we are not promoting a watered down version. We are actually saying the Jesus in whose footsteps we try to follow is the one who crossed every border. Yes. And ate with people and talked with people he should never have been seen with. Yes. Which tells us that we can do the same, not with judgment dripping from our lips, but with words of love and grace. Yes. And And that is deeply faithful. That is. And that love and grace extends to any little voice that may live inside your head that says you are not enough, that you're not meeting the expectations, that you've disappointed and so that you have fallen short of what your family or your friend expects of you, that love and grace that Jesus extends over and over throughout scripture to everyone he meets includes you too. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever your holiday uh, traditions and expectations look like, I hope you can hold on to that message of love and grace that is for you. Yeah. Be sure to share the podcast with folks. If you think there's someone who would really appreciate this conversation and be sure to subscribe, we've got a special gift coming up during the 12 days of Christmas, and we don't want you to miss any of those. Abby, have a great week. Thanks. You too, Amy. Bye-bye. Wherever this week takes you. We hope our conversation has given you something to sustain you between Sundays. Subscribe to Between Sundays wherever you listen to podcasts.